This small town has a lot of secrets and a lot of humanity. Today I'm talking about Mayor of Easttown. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. movie friends welcome to scott's self-indulgent movie podcast i am scott and today i am talking about the hbo miniseries and somewhat <laughs> giant internet phenomenon mayor of east town and i really enjoyed the series i thought it was fantastic uh, all around just uh, you know how it's written how it's directed all of that and i wanted to get into a particular element of what i liked which is how it humanizes its characters without letting them off the hook so without any further ado let's get started for a show about a murderer in a small town, Mayor of Easttown has gotten a lot of unexpected attention, including mass reactions on Twitter and even an SNL spoof called Murder Dirter, of which I'm a big fan. The show has rightly, in my opinion, been called out as a wonderful, wonderfully human miniseries with great twists, equally great performances, and well-rounded characters. And that's all correct. It's a great series, and I highly recommend it. But I think the thing this show does, perhaps better than any show like it, is how it gives almost every character depth and pathos, even if their first impression is awful. So today I'm going to demonstrate how the series pulls this off, and what other shows can learn from it. Note, there will be massive spoilers from here on out, so if you haven't seen the series yet, please take your time. Kate Winslet plays Mayor Sheehan, a local police detective in Easttown, Pennsylvania, who's having a rough go of it. She's marginally removed from her son's suicide. There's a local girl that's been missing for a year and she hasn't been able to find. Her ex-husband is about to get married again, and her son's ex is suing for custody of her grandchild. And while that would be enough for anyone, the pressure for Mayor and the entire town is amplified when a teenage mother is found dead in the local river. If you want to see how the show pulls back the layers, we first have to look at Mare. Kate Winslet's mayor is prickly, to say the least. She's a bit sarcastic, if not abrasive, to everyone and everything in her life. She's really hard to like at first, even if she says some very funny stuff, aka, do I fuck like a grandma? It would be very easy to look at her and say she's mostly an asshole. But as the information about her life floods in, aka everything listed above, usually through very choice dialogue inserts, we start to see why mayor's rough edges are there. She clearly hasn't dealt with her grief, and it's eating her from the inside. So much so that it manifests as anger and frustration, and leads her towards some stupid and self-destructive decisions. Which makes us, the audience, a bit sad, because we see that Mare's intentions in heart are good. She's very kind to a friend's attic brother, despite being injured in a foot chase with him. And once the investigation begins, we see what a great detective she is, even if she has been using the work as an unhealthy coping mechanism. But she can't be warm or make good decisions consistently until she handles her mindset. And almost every character is approached like this, by playing a clever trick on the audience. The fact that Mare of Easttown is a murder mystery is one of its greatest weapons. Because even if the audience knows that there's going to be a red herring or two, it doesn't matter if the camera frames the character's actions as malevolent. To explain what I mean, I'm going to have to use two spoiler-filled examples. The first example is Deacon Burton. By all counts, Deacon Burton is shady as hell. He's a member of the Catholic clergy, which is inherently suspect nowadays, especially when a young girl is found murdered. 
and we find out he was moved from his last parish due to allegations of inappropriate behavior with a minor. There's also a lot of holes in his story, and he's cagey about stuff like his phone. All suspicious. But the needle is buried, if not broken, when an episode ends with Deacon Bert. Burton throwing the murderous girl bike in the river. That looks like what a murderer would do, especially in a murder mystery. When Deacon Burton confesses to his colleague, he admits that to meeting with the victim and nothing else. Hard to believe. But the more he explains, the more his actions feel plausible. He says that he met with her to counsel her, but she left and left her bike behind. He grabbed it for her, and when she appeared dead the next day, he was convinced that everyone would think he was the killer based on the previous accusations and decided to ditch it. Not that he should have done that, but it's easier to understand why. And as it turns out, he's telling the truth, and he's eventually let go. Likewise, the victim's ex-boyfriend, Dylan, is one of our very first suspects, and he does not come off well. He's combative, and when he's questioned, again, he lawyers up. So when we see him going through the dead girl's journals, burning them, and taking an envelope of money meant for her son's ear surgery, and then threatens the girl who helped him find the journals, it looks very damning. Especially since he found out the kid isn't his, and he behaves like a burnout. He even watched his current girlfriend beat the victim up and have her catfish her. When we see why Dylan did what he did, though, it's actually very sweet. It turns out he burned the journal so the baby could stay with his parents, who seem to love the child very much, and he believes they would give it a good life. Not the way to do that, but understandable. And then there's the money. Turns out he was holding on to it to give the baby's eventual guardian the money for ear surgery, and even added money from himself. When he doesn't... When he's told he doesn't have to do that, a.k.a. he's not legally or morally obligated to do so, he just says, I know, and he goes about his day. For an apparent teenage shithead, Dylan has a great heart. Dylan, like almost everyone in the show, has a beating human heart. But there's one thing the show doesn't do, despite giving all of its lead characters plenty of pathos. It doesn't use it as an excuse. About halfway through the show, Mare realizes that she needs to change, because otherwise she's going to burn out or burn every bridge she has. She can't keep being shitty to people because her life is hard. That's not okay. She knows what that's like. The mother of one of the missing girls has made her life hell, understandably because she wants her daughter back. But said mother also realizes she made a mistake and apologizes profusely to Mare. For Mare, her journey starts in mandated therapy, where she has to come face-to-face with what she's already known. She hasn't dealt with the grief from her son's death. But even when she's no longer obligated to go via her job, she keeps going. And she starts trying to make things right. When her daughter drunkenly hits her for sending her to the house when she discovered her brother who had killed himself, she apologizes instead of chastising and tearful, tearfully hugs her. She makes good with her ex, so much so that she teams up with his wife to tease him. She tells her daughter to go for her dreams and go to California for college. She offers sympathy and empathy to her grandson's mom. She tells her mom that her old tension is in the past. She's not combative anymore. She's still sarcastic and very much herself, but she's a better person. At the beginning of the show, Mare was somebody who needed people to insist and push her into making good decisions or look out for her. By the end of the show, she's able to offer her best friend the same. And I love this. 
It's very human to be at your worst, or not your best when life is beating you up. I would never tell anybody to just get over trauma. But having a bad day or bad life doesn't excuse how you treat and affect others. My favorite moments in Mare aren't the plot twists. It's when people apologize or look out for one another despite tension. It's when this town that feels fractured comes together. It's when they acknowledge their humanity and the humanity of the people around them. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time, everybody. Stay safe.